Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What is going on? Today is Saturday. It's the 4th of August, 2018. I am in the mobile studio. I am parked somewhere, and I do have the AC going, but I don't think it's going to be too bad, and we shouldn't get any road noise at the place where I'm at. And I knew I was going to have some extra time. My daughter is doing a Girl Scout thing, and so I have a little bit of time while I have to wait around for her to get done with that. And so I thought I would go ahead and get some segments out for you guys. Now, let's do, well, I was going to say let's jump in with some behind-the-scenes stuff, but let's go ahead and get our contact info out of the way, and then we'll talk a little bit behind the scenes, and we'll kind of go forward with this segment. Which, in all reality, I think I'll probably end up doing the whole show here. So, anyway, if you want to contact me, I do have a couple of different ways that you can do that. There is the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. If you would prefer to send in an email or record your own audio and send that to me to be played on the show, firearmscafe at protonmail.com is the email address. Over on the website, which is firearmscafe.com, you'll find buttons for Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. If you like the show and you would like to support me financially, there also is a donation button there as well. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. First of all, school started for us this Monday. And what that means is that I will be able to get back into the routine of that. So I'll be able to sort of better parse out my time, so to speak. With the summer, of course, you know, if you've got kids, you end up doing and going different places, going on vacation or doing different camps and and things like that. So sometimes it worked out well, sometimes it didn't. And I had thought over the summer that the show would probably be pushed off a few times. And for the most part, I think that only happened a couple of times. And unfortunately, this is one of those times. But I am trying to get on that weekly schedule. I generally like to release the shows if I can. Uh, I like to sort of do some segments during the week and then do some editing maybe on Friday or Saturday. And if I get enough stuff of that stuff done then I can usually release the show either Saturday or Sunday. So probably I will be able to release the show. You'll hear this actually on the 5th, which will be Sunday, which is tomorrow. But anyway, all that is to say, hopefully I'll be able to get back on schedule and we'll be able to put something out at least weekly for you guys. Now a little bit more of kind of behind the scenes or production type stuff. I had actually had a couple of segments that I started on Monday and Tuesday. But the audio quality of them, because I was doing them while I was driving, for whatever reason, that particular set of recordings, it just wasn't good enough 
Uh, I didn't feel comfortable putting it out. So the content I thought was fine, but the actual audio quality was at a level where I thought, you know what, eh, it, c- it could be better. And so I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll maybe kind of recap some of that stuff that I had gone over. You know, of course, it's not really a recap for you guys, but it is for me. So anyway, that's kind of enough of the behind the scenes stuff. Let's, though, do a little bit of a recap on our last show. And what we talked about on that was the epic trolling, I guess, of Philip Von Cleve and Larry Pratt by Sasha Baron Cohen. And I won't really go into that stuff too much. What I did find interesting about that is I had kind of thought these guys will sort of be turned into laughing stocks. Maybe a little bit from our side where we say, oh, you know, these guys, they should it's kind of time for them to move on or they should have known better, that type of stuff. And, but also I thought from the left that they would really kind of put these guys up on, or put them in the spotlight and kind of give them some notorious press and that they would say, well, look, see, these are guys that are, and of course they would twist it to fit their narrative, but they would say things like, well, these are guys who are top guys in the gun rights movement, and this is how they really think. Again, with that stuff, you know, maybe they'd be preaching to their their own choir, so to speak. But I do think that there is, oh, a legitimate contest, I guess, for some people that are sitting on the fence. I think, though, if, if, if you are sitting on the fence, it is much easier for that person who is, who is, kind of right in the middle or who doesn't have really strong feelings it's much easier for that person to come down on our side because our side generally not always but generally you're using very logical well thought out arguments the the positions that you're presenting they make sense a lot of them are common sense and especially when you're talking about well even if a person would say something like, well, I don't really know that I would need an AK or an AR, you can always then turn it to say, well, okay, I can see you may not be comfortable with something like that, but would you concede that you as a person have a right to defend yourself? And if that person says yes, then it's, it's kind of, at least what I've seen in the past, it's kind of a thing of if they agree that they have the right to defend themselves, it's easy to say, well, what means is 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 acceptable for you to be able to defend yourself or your family so if somebody was going to come through that door in the next 30 seconds what would you want and if if i said oh you can have a knife a a bat a firearm and and then you can kind of you know go go from there but anyway kind of got a little distracted there but so getting back, I thought that those guys would again be made sort of a laughing stock. But what happened was there was sort of a perfect storm of anti-Trump feelings in that shortly after this thing was released, we're also talking about, well, Trump is putting forth his nominees for the Supreme Court. And it turned out that it was Kavanaugh. So 
that gets a lot of the the leftist or the left-leaning people up in arms and it's hard to sort of focus on one thing or another and then at the same time not too long after that we see and, and I had talked about this on the last on the last episode was with Cody Wilson we got the news that he was he had uh, let me think here he was having trouble with the justice department and he had had a lawsuit and again this is a quick recap that had gone on for I can't remember anywhere from 4 to seven years, something like that. I think, I think it was, it's, it's within that time frame, where he had to, and his company had to take down the files that had been distributed and uh, as, as pertains to 3D printing. And everybody thinks it's just about 3D printing a firearm. But you have to remember, too, that there were also files about how to print magazines, how to print you know spare parts to magazines, so extra floor plates, things like that. Maybe they wouldn't have been as durable as something that is injected molded plastic or polymer, however you want to say it. But it would be something that if you could 3D print a bunch of those things, it could get you by. And especially as the, the, uh, the, the plastic compounds and things kind of improve and the material improves with how you 3D print. And that stuff is going to improve. So it's not just about... 3D printing, uh, excuse me, 3D printing a firearm. But of course, the people on the left, and especially the politicians, they want to drum up uh, as much fear and spit out as much rhetoric as possible because then what it does for them, and if we look at what their real motivation, what, what their real motivations are, they want to fill their coffers with money. And the way that they get money into their re-election funds is they need to rile up fear in their base. And they need to come out and beat their chest and raise a bunch of hue and cry and say, I'm the person that knows about this. This is what's going to happen. If I don't stop this, nobody else is going to. It needs to be me. And so that stuff went on. And we'll circle back here in a little bit. And we'll also we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Kavanaugh. And we'll also talk a little bit more about the 3D printing stuff. But getting back to my initial point, Philip Van Cleve and Larry Pratt literally dodged a bullet. No, no pun intended. Their verbal, or not, well, their video depancing, I guess that's what I should say. Their thing of where they were made to look foolish and out of touch and unreasonable and gullible and all that stuff is going to basically be swept under the rug because the people on the left, the people who are actually going to protest and who would actually make a big deal about that are distracted by some other things. Another thing too, I guess if, if you're going to kind of make some mistakes or speak out of turn, probably now's the time to do it when Trump is in office because eventually Trump is going to say or do something that is wacky that the left is going to latch on to and that news cycle is going to switch over. So, uh, again, that's what happened for those guys. All right, let's talk a little bit. Let's jump back over to the 3D printing thing. And like I had said earlier, there is a bunch of hue and cry on the left. Most people on the right or most people, well, I shouldn't even say on the right. That's incorrect phrasing. Most people who are pro-gun, 
and who see, oh, 3D printing is cool, and it's it, and they kind of understand it a little bit. They understand, well, you're not going to be able just to print out a firearm. They understand that you're still going to have to use certain metal parts. Um, they also understand that the stuff that is available now for what you could actually 3D print, it's good maybe for one or two shots. That's probably going to be about it uh, before the gun is... is, is uh, would be rendered probably unsafe. I won't say inoperable, but I would say probably it would be unsafe. But again, the point of that Liberator firearm is not that it is going to be a gun that is going to replace your your Glock or your M&P. It, it, that's not what's going to be happening here. Uh, it's not going to replace, you know, your, your HK or whatever. It was something that if you were kind of at a place where they're saying you can't have a gun at all. You could at least have something. Something's better than nothing. But again, most of the people that are on our side of the aisle understand that, oh, this is just a beginning. This is a beginning step. And we also understand that this isn't just a Second Amendment issue. It's also a First Amendment issue. So when the news came out that uh, Cody Wilson and Defense Distributed were able to put stuff back on the web. They were able to put these files back up on the web. Now, the reality is, and I touched on this on the last show a little bit, those other files that he had, and again, a lot of them, there were files where you could 3D print your own AR-15 mags, you could 3D print your own AK mags. How durable would they be? I don't know. But that, all that stuff was out there. And also the ability to print certain of those components. So floor plates, uh, followers, things of that nature. So when he, they said, oh, okay, no, you can do this. We, you, you know, you can, this doesn't violate ITAR. And they gave a date that he would be able to put that stuff up. And I think he put them up like the day, I don't know if it was the day before or technically, let's say if, you know, he was going to, let's say it was going to be, you know, Saturday the fourth or whatever, you're going to be able to put these things up. And so Friday at 12.01, he put stuff up. Then I guess there were some injunctions that happened from some other states where they're saying, no, you can't do this, or we don't want people in our state to be able to download these things. Well, again, it's already out there. All those files are out there. So what people have done, you see that when people would place links specific links on things like Facebook. Facebook would remove those things. And so all people did is they would put, okay, here's where you go, and they would just write it in a picture. Well, you're not going to really have an algorithm that's going to do that. So, uh, again, a lot of this stuff and a lot of the grounds that he's able to, was able to win on, just to very, very, to uh, uh, to make this very, very simple, to, to simplify it quite a bit, is basically he won on uh First Amendment issues and on Second Amendment issues as well. Also talking about, well, what is sort of the reality of 3D printing? I have sort of a little bit of knowledge of that, not a whole lot, but from the research that I've been able to do and what I've been able to understand on how that thing works is, again, you can 3D print with metal. I don't know how strong that is, but it is coming. It's not going to be here tomorrow, It's but in 5 to 10 years, I would think that you would be able to print 
usable metal parts uh, from a 3D printer if you have the correct type of printer. What is that stuff going to cost? I don't know. If, if you look at how you would have to do stuff now, it would basically cost you way more than going out and just buying a gun, or it would cost you more than doing the 80% lowers and things like that. I do expect that, it's kind of speaking of 80% lowers, I do expect that things like that probably will be attacked. If you look at, and I have a little bit of experience with the Polymer 80, and I've talked about that before and kind of how I wanted to make that basically that lower be sort of a permanent host for my Advantage Arms Glock 17, um, I wanted to say adapter, but it's uh, good enough to say adapter. There's a, I don't know why, but I can't think of the word I'm looking for um, to put that 22 upper on there. Isn't that weird? Anyway, so if if a person, I guess, wanted to get the lower, get that 80% lower and do that, you don't even really need the milling tools. You could do everything with with files and sandpaper or exacto knives or, you know, however you would want to do it, and, and a, a hand drill. So you could buy that lower, which I think would be the considered on a Glock handgun or that type of a handgun, which would be actually considered the firearm for that particular thing. You could then buy your lower parts kit, so to speak. So you could buy all the lower parts that you would need to complete the lower for that, uh, for that polymer 80. You could then go and buy an original uh, a, a OEM Glock slide if you wanted and buy a barrel and buy this other stuff and put it all together and assemble that. Once you did that, however, you would be better off just going and buying one from a gun store or if, if you didn't want something where, in theory, the government would know about it, which, I'm again, I'm in complete support of if somebody wants to do something like that. If you live in a state where you still have private sales of firearms, you would just go and do it that route. However, if you, and, and you would still come off cheaper. However, if it was something that you wanted to do and you wanted to say, well, hey, I sort of, was able to do this and put this thing together and I kind of have a little bit better understanding because I've, I've done sort of the assembling of it or the build of it. Like a lot of times when we say, oh, I'm building an AR or I'm doing this or I'm doing that, you're pretty much just assembling it. And depending on what parts you want to use and all that, but we generally, you know, call that like, oh, I'm going to build my AR or I'm going to build my short barrel rifle or I'm going to build, you know, this, that, the other thing, blah, blah, blah. So you could do it that way, and you could go totally under the radar. And I guess some people would say, well, wouldn't, wouldn't felons and people like that, wouldn't they maybe go that route as well? Because nothing, you don't have to get background checks for any of that stuff. I don't know. I think you could probably buy a pistol on the street cheaper than you could going through that whole route. And then... When you go through, let's say, Brownells or these other sites, there is kind of a record of that. So, and that's another thing. I don't know how long the merchants keep that stuff. I don't know 
if a company like Brownells says, well, hey, here's what Tony has bought over the past 10 years. We have his account and he has his little account number that we've got. And as a customer, we like to kind of, as, uh, since he's our customer, we like to try and keep track of what he's bought, what he's interested in. And then we can tailor maybe some of the emails that we send to him saying, hey, here's the sale on these polymer 80 lowers again, or here's the sale on these magazines that you were buying or that type of thing. So anyway, I, I guess I don't have as much fear as somebody who would be a, a, a quote unquote criminal doing that. Uh, and also look, if somebody is out there and they are really a career criminal and they are a violent person, they're going to get their stuff off the street because they can get it and it will be untraceable for them. They'll, they'll get stolen guns or they'll, you know, they'll kind of do whatever they'll go through other means, but they're not going to go really through legitimate means. Now, could it be that somebody who was a, a, a felon when they were 18 or 19, maybe they did stuff, but they've for the past 40 years or 30 years, you know, 30 or 40 years, They've been a model citizen, and they're just like, you know what? I can maybe kind of go through backdoor channels and stuff like that. Eh, you know, I guess, maybe, but again, you know, would they risk, would that person risk going back to prison for that, or would they try and get their maybe their rights restored? And, you know, I hadn't really thought about talking about this today, but it is, it does bring up a question of, when should somebody who is a felon get their rights back? So, and let's just talk about rights in general. So, when do they get their rights to vote back? When do they get their rights to own a firearm back? If a person who, let's say, was a car thief and stole cars out of parking lots from the movies at night or something. And again, well, I'll do it a very specific example because I want to say that he never, now he took property and there was a victim, but he never harmed anyone and he never stuck a gun in anybody's face. He just took the car and would drive it and then, you know, would try and sell it or do whatever, take it to a chop shop. And let's say that person got caught and he got sentenced to five to seven years in prison. He did his time, went in when he was 22, came out when he was you know, 29, and he is now 50. And so for the past 20 years, he's been a law-abiding person. He reformed his life, turned around. How long do we make that person pay for that? And are we doing things ultimately that causes that person to say, well, if I can never be welcome back into the fold, if I can never really get redemption, why should I follow any rules in society? If society has basically made me a marked man, supposedly I went to prison for, again, we'll say five years or whatever. I supposedly paid my debt to society. I was never violent with anyone, but, and I got out, let's say I got out when I was 25, but now for the next 60 years, I'm going to have to kind of pay for that. You know, I don't know. And look, I, I was a, a, a juvenile probation officer for many, many years, and I saw lots of 
lots of hardcore criminals. I also saw people that generally, genuinely, excuse me, made mistakes in that were deserving of second chances and were deserving of redemption and were deserving of societal forgiveness. So anyway, I'd love to hear what you guys think. I know that may be a little bit of a a hot button issue with some people, but with, you know, now also like, again, having said that, I, there are some people that should be in prison. There are some people that should be away from society in general because there are some people that are truly monsters and will do horrible, horrible, vicious, brutal things. And a lot of those people will do those things just because they can. They don't need to, but they'll do them just because they can. So anyway, let's uh, let's kind of jump on to a little bit of a different subject, and that is with the Supreme Court nominee that Trump has uh, put up there, which is Brett Kavanaugh. I think that's his first name. I think he's around 53. Now, he is a guy that some of the neocon Republicans are really going to like. Uh, he was, well, let me, let me talk about a couple of things that I like about the guy and why I will be able to tolerate him as a, uh, a Supreme Court justice if he is, is, makes it through the confirmation. It looks like from all the stuff that I'm seeing that he probably will be. On the last show I talked about, or a couple of shows ago, I talked about that the guy that I liked was Raymond Kethledge. And I think he falls in line much more with me as a more of a person who has a lot more libertarian philosophies. And as a person who I think sees sort of, uh, sometimes you'll hear the expression, the supremacy of the individual. Meaning that Kethledge, I think, and it's demonstrably so, has ruled in favor of the individual and in favor of, okay, this is what the laws are, this is what the Constitution is, and this is sort of what we need to go by. With Kavanaugh, what I do like about him is he is strong Second Amendment. So I do not think that if if he gets on there, if Kethledge gets on there, um, and who was, oh, I can't remember who the other guys were. Um, Cohen was was uh, the female, and who was that other guy? I cannot remember right now. But anyway, um, my concern would be if if uh, Kavanaugh doesn't make it, that Trump may push Cohen, uh, and and she I think is a little bit more unknown as far as Second Amendment stuff. But anyway, let's let's focus. Let's get the focus back on Kavanaugh. So Kavanaugh was also instrumental in some of the um, Patriot Act stuff. I think he was around and had had a hand in writing some of that. He is a guy that I think believes that if the government is, and this is a, a simplification of stuff, but and maybe on the next show I can, and, and we'll see if it's if it's pertinent to do so. But maybe on the next show, I can really kind of get down in the weeds with what would it look like or what things could we expect from somebody like Kavanaugh if he is 
confirmed to be on the Supreme Court. Uh, but again, there are things about him that I don't like. There are things where he thinks that, you know, the Fourth Amendment um, that the, really is, is wide open to interpretation. You know, he talks about when they were asking him some questions, and I forget the term that he used, um, but he was talking about precedent. And basically that kind of gives him wiggle room on, on certain things as far as if he were to say, no, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights says this, and this is our, the supreme law of the land, and this is what we need to base things on. This is how we protect the individual. But when he says, oh, you know, I'm going to go by that and I'm going to go by precedent, well, just because one group of Supreme Court justices decided something or even some of the lower federal courts decided something, some of the circuit courts, and there's precedent, doesn't necessarily mean that that's right and doesn't necessarily mean that that's something that we should be following. And I've talked about before a lot of that. We have basically turned over our government. For the most part, it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but for, it seems to me that we have turned over ultimately our government over to the Supreme Court. And if you have individuals in there that are super far left, and if you have individuals in there that are super far right, and you don't really have anybody in there who is saying, I am a constitutionalist, and I believe in the rights of the individual, and I believe in by protecting the rights of the individual, you protect everybody's rights. When you have those guys that are to the, to the far right and to the far left, both of those groups, or both of those people, or, or, or those groups of people, I should say, that uh, subscribe to those far left and far right stuff, they may do some things that we like, but for the most part, they are all about growing government, growing government power, and infringing on certain sets of your rights. They all want to tell you how to live your life a certain way. Maybe they differ on the stuff that they want to tell you to do, but they all want to tell you what to do. They want to give you the least amount of freedom possible as opposed to giving you or making sure that the laws are structured where we have the maximum amount of freedom and liberty. All right, guys, I think I am going to wrap it up for now. Uh, let me know what you guys think about felons in this country. Let me know if you think that should there be, should it be an easier path to get your rights back? And again, my opinion would be that one shoe does not fit all, that these things need to be looked at on a case-by-case basis. And again, we need to get back to the individual. That's why I've never liked the idea of having mandatory sentencing and things like that because, you know, it takes away basically any type of humanity that you might view that person with. And look, it could be you one day. And it could be somebody breaks into your house, and depending on where you live, if you ended up shooting that person, you may be looking at doing some prison time. You may be the person whose head is up on the chopping block. You may be that person who you do three or four or five years in prison, or maybe it's 20. 
Maybe you end up dying in there because you go in when you're 50. You're not going to come out of there when you're 75. There's not a lot of old dudes that are strolling out of prison. Most of those guys kind of die in there. Uh, But anyway, we really, I think we need, if we're going to look at stuff like prison reform, if we're going to look at stuff like what level do we hold the police in in this country and in our state and in our communities, what level do we hold them accountable do they have can they pretty much do whatever they want and it's not just a thing to say oh the police are bad or oh the police are good it's not as simple as that there's so many shades of gray and a lot of it has to do with the laws that we have passed or have well I should say that we have allowed to be passed in this country so that there are so many laws that you, you almost couldn't drive down the street without breaking some law. And most of those laws, there are no victims. And that's why so many of the laws that we have in this country are selectively enforced. And I, I was thinking about this the other day, that if there is that level of selective enforcement with certain traffic laws. Look, a cop can, you could be speeding and going 50 miles over the speed limit. And if the cop who stops you decides for whatever reason they're going to let you go with a warning, they let you go. And the reality is, is that because a lot of those, a lot of those so-called offenses, we'll, we'll call them, or crimes, there's no victim. And so there are a ton of laws that are on the books that can be selectively enforced. They can use their discretion. I think that's the word I was probably trying to search for a little bit earlier. So if it is a discretionary thing, you know, should that be a law? Should that be a thing where potentially you could lose your freedom or in some in some people's cases possibly use, lose your life? You know, the life of a loved one because something kind of goes wrong. Maybe somebody is feeling a little sassy and the the cop doesn't like that and instead of de-escalating the situation it gets it gets escalated and it goes horribly wrong and either that person or the the policeman gets you know shot and killed we had a thing out here in arizona where the highway patrolman uh, was recently lost his life i don't know all the details of that but you wonder you know if if we had reform true reform would come in the way of we would actually look at our laws and say, okay, has somebody been victimized? Either uh, through a physical assault, through defrauding them, through intimidation, things like that, where there actually is a victim. And so many of our laws, again, are set up where there is no victim. Uh, So anyway, I tell you what, I have kind of rambled on long enough and... Let me know what you guys think on this stuff. Also, if you have any topics that you want me to talk about. Oh, I know I'm, I'm, I got one more thing to say or a couple more things. So I have got some uh, parts coming in. I've got one more thing that I need to order and then I will be able to uh, get my AR-9 pistol going. And I will film that process for you. Now the upper, remember I told you about I have the Foxtrot mic, 
excuse me, Foxtrot mic, eight and a half inch upper, and it has the side charging handle. Right now, the way it's configured is that side charging handle is on. So if you're looking down, if you're pointing down the uh, the muzzle down range, you would charge it with your left hand. And so as a right-handed shooter, you don't have to take your hand off the pistol grip. You can just, you know, go and do it that way. Ejection port and everything is on the right. If, though, you wanted to, let, let's say you ran AKs a lot and you're used to the AK, ergonomics and stuff like that, it's, it's an easy switch to switch that charging level over, excuse me, lever over to be on the right-hand side to where you could do it more AK or if you were a left-handed guy, maybe you wanted to do it that way. They've seemed to debug the whole thing of getting uh, shells in the face if you're a lefty and you're shooting that. Usually with a, a brass deflector, you're fine. Um, one, with the uh, Foxtrot mic upper, there is no dust cover on there. Uh, again, you know, for me, I don't, I don't really see the need for that. Uh, there's also no forward assist or anything like that. It's so, but I will be able to do that. Like I said, I'll film some of that stuff. I am going to put some of that stuff up on YouTube. I, I do have an account over at Utah Gun Exchange, their video, so I'll put it up there as well. I will also maybe, I, I think I still have an account at Vimeo, and I don't know what the terms of service and stuff like that are. And I haven't heard anything, again, like I, I know I promised to say I wouldn't really talk about this nonsense again, but I haven't heard anything from uh, Full 30 about them adding more people. It seems like what they're doing is they are doing more people and they are adding them, but they are, I think there are more established channels and they're bringing people in a little bit slower. So uh, until they probably get their servers up and get their um, all their behind-the-scenes stuff that they need to get going to be able to support everything, I think that they, if, if they play their cards right, I do think that they will probably, most people will end up going over to Full 30. Uh, still, there's still tons of gun stuff on YouTube. And it seems like for now that for the most part, I've, I've, I've seen some assembly videos. I've seen, you know, this is how you uh, disassemble, this is how you reassemble, blah, blah, blah. I've seen some of that stuff is still out there. So, you know, I don't know. Who knows maybe if YouTube will ever kind of change their mind or go back, or excuse me, go back on that. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, let me know what you guys think. Um, trying to think if I have anything else because I do not think I will be adding anything else to this week's show uh, because I want to go ahead and get this thing edited and get it out for you guys. Let me think. Is there anything else that I was wanting to talk about? Oh, well, I guess as far as projects, like I said, I do have the AR9 pistol project that I'm doing. I also have all the stuff that I need for the Polymer 80, which is going to be my uh, my Advantage Arms 22 upper slide will go on there. I do have to do some uh, a little bit more modifications on that, and I will try and film that stuff as well. And I also have my AK project. Now, this, again, has taken place over months and months and months of me getting things in, buying them when they go on sale, that type of stuff. So, like I said, I do have a couple of things on order to finish up that with my AK. I pretty much have everything. There are still a, a couple other things I would need, not necessarily to shoot it, but to be able to do optics. Um, there are some companies out here. Well, that's that's one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I'll do it really, really quick. 
You guys remember U.S. Palm. Well, there is a company, and uh, I can't remember it, and I, I will try and get these guys to do an interview with me. They are out here in Arizona where I am, and I think they went in and they bought some of that U.S. Arms, or, or excuse me, <laughs> U.S. Palm stuff. Remember how they had their AK Mag? And they did some improvements to it, and they did some things that were different. So um, they are, I believe, out in Mesa, and I will try and contact those guys, maybe see if I can't go over and get an interview with them, maybe even do some filming and put some of that stuff up for you guys. Uh, but their magazines, and I want to kind of get their process and their, their thoughts on there. I had always thought that the U.S. Palm Magazine was a good idea, but it was a little pricey for what you were getting. You couldn't open it up and clean it, so you couldn't replace springs or if there was some damage and stuff like that. With this new, and it's called like X-something, X-Tech, maybe that's it, X-Tech, I can't remember. But anyway, they, I think, bought up some of the intellectual property rights to that or the property rights to use that those some of those molds and things like that, and then they kind of took the, or maybe they got the design rights. Maybe that's how I should say it. Anyway. I do want to get an interview with them and talk with those guys. So hopefully within the next couple of weeks, I will be able to do that. All right. Let me give you the uh, contact information and then we will sign off. Voicemail is 206-745-2731. Email address to send an email or to send your own audio recording is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. Dot com All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All right, amigos, I will look forward to hearing from you soon, I hope. Hopefully, please, please, please. Anyway, I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>